Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Flash Knockdown, Series 3, Episode number 11. I'm Jamie Ward, with me, producer Scott Hamilton, as always. This week, we're in Newcastle as we count down to the latest instalment in our next-gen series, headlined by Shabazz Massoud, this weekend on The Zone. Here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Unbeaten super lightweight Australian sensation Liam Paro joins us from Las Vegas training camp to preview his upcoming fight with Montana Love and shed some light on some recent sparring rumours. Josh Warrington joins us to reflect on how life has been for him since defeat to Lee Wood and he has some stern words for Lee as well as he looks to also jump to the top of the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz leaderboard. There's another diamond gem from the memory box of Mr. Mike Costello coming up as well. And Oshaki Foster, WBC Super Featherweight World Champion, joins us to run over the best things to happen in boxing last week, which includes victory for a certain Mr. Joe Cordina. All coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. Well, we are delighted to be welcomed all the way over in Las Vegas, Nevada, by Liam Paro. Liam, it's been a while, mate. How are you? Mate, it's good. It's good to be back. And um, yeah, I'm excited. It's just good to be back and healthy. Yeah, you say healthy. It's probably been one of the more frustrating years of your professional career, but healthy being the key word there, all healed up and ready to go now. Yeah, mate, just, um, that's behind me. It was a it was a massive year, mentally frustrating year, but um, you know, I'm still here and yeah, I'm ready to keep steamrolling forward for that title in uh, 2024. I've got uh, Montana Love ahead of me first, but yeah, you know, the vision hasn't changed. It's made me hungry, if anything. Let's just take a step back for some of the listeners who might not be up on up to scratch with what happened to you. So there's two fights scheduled mm-hmm. and two 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 different injuries, I believe postponed those bouts and yep. was with Robbie Davis Jr. Yeah, just in the eye socket. It was a it was an unknown injury. I didn't know when it happened. I couldn't pinpoint the the moment it happened or anything like that. But, you know, come up in the C T scan and then the British board wouldn't wouldn't pass me for that fight. So it was um it was frustrating. I went back home. I was in Australia visiting the family and stuff and then the the um opportunity to come up with our progress there in in the middle of the year. I started training for that one. My first twelve round spa, I felt a tear in the Achilles tendon. Yeah, it done. And it was a slight tear in my left Achilles tendon. So that was then again put me on the sideline for another few months and frustrating as. But um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm I got I done the right things I needed to do to get it good, to get it all healthy, and uh, I'm honestly better than ever now. So uh, yeah, it was it was definitely frustrating, but just happy to be back. Quite interesting you mentioned about the the CT scan detecting that injury. I guess in a way, you know, that's one of the reasons we have these CT scans. It might have been frustrating at the time, but I guess on reflection, that's what those processes are in place for, right? To to undercover those lie lowing injuries. Oh, exactly right. You know, that's that's your vision at the end of the day. There's there's life there's more life after boxing. You know what I mean? And you kinda need your eyes and the doctor said it wasn't safe for me to fight, you know. It, would have taken one punch, one or two shots, and I could have lost my vision in that eye, and that's my career over. So, yes, like you said, it was frustrating, but at the same time, it's um, we're just a little setback, and I'm still healthy, and I can fight another day. So, um, it's a brutal sport, boxing. We put our body through the ringer every single day for the fans, you know what I mean, for their entertainment. So, it's bound to happen. It's it's just freak accidents. It's the first time I've ever been injured in my in my career, and it happened back to back. So, you know, it is what it is, and now I'm just looking forward and, yeah, looking forward to put on a show December 9th. Obviously, it was your maiden world title shot locked in against Pro Grey, mm-hmm. which obviously fell through and allowed Zarilla to step in. Could you watch that fight knowing that should have been you? I did watch that fight and, you know, the what, the bit that hurt me the most was I knew I would have won that fight. It was the, it was the hundreds of messages I got that, oh, my God, you would have beat him that night. He wasn't on. And I'm like, look, it is what it is, you know, and that just all added to to it all but you know it is it wasn't my time the world works the way it's meant to work everything happens for a reason and the timing obviously wasn't right i know i'll get my shot all i've got to do is keep winning and that i plan on doing in spectacular fashion and um on this next one in december and line me up for a huge 2024 i want i want the big names i want the big fights and you know god willing that's that's still my plan so yeah i love that mindset and i promise you now we're going to get onto the positive part of this discussion um like you said you do have a big yeah, yeah. in uh december the 9th yeah it's montana love i mean just knowing that it's a month tomorrow i think it is by the time of recording we're almost there now you must be yeah. you must have real itchy knuckles 
oh man, I am itching. You know, I'm I'm flying in the gym. You know what I mean? Um, it's every, I'm just carrying myself better. Everything. It, I honestly can't wait to get back in there. I've missed boxing so much at that time. It didn't make me realize how much I really do love the sport. I do love it. I've, I love everything about it. it. Changed my mindset about everything. You know, um, even those days you don't want to go to the gym. I'm loving it. I've missed it so much. So it it's um. Yeah, it's it's good. I'm just so happy to be back and can't wait to keep going forward, yeah. How much do you rate Montana? He obviously lost by disqualification to your fellow countryman, yeah. Stevie Spark, last time. Uh, look, he's he's a good fighter. Uh, we've seen that bit of pressure and he fold like a camp chair. But uh, So we're going to bring that pressure to him. I, I, think, you know, I think I can get in his head pretty easy. I've I seen he doesn't like a fast-paced fight. He likes to kick back and, and relax. So I'm going to be in his face. Smart pressure, and um, look, but now I, I honestly believe I'm better than every in, in every aspect in the boxing game. Obviously, he's a bit better than me at wrestling, as you see. Yeah, than his last fight, <laughs> rolling guys over the top of the ring. But you know, I know he's going to come to fight. He's got a lot to prove. Yeah, there's a lot of critics on him at the moment, so I want him 100 percent because I'm coming in 100 percent, and um, I want no excuses. I want I want the best Montana love possible, so I can showcase my skill. Because the better the opponent, the better I perform. So um. I'm excited to to show what I've been working on to show the hunger that I've got back in my belly and yeah I'm I'm super excited I can't thank Eddie Earn and Matchroom enough for giving me this massive opportunity on this card it's one of if not the biggest cards of the year so and it's just exciting it's a very exciting time yeah we were just speaking before we start recording about the the attendance I think you know tickets are flying at the minute so it's going to be not only a huge fight for the the fans watching live on the zone but in the arena as well. I mean, just having you know, tens of thousands of fans in there. You've obviously boxed in big arenas yourself in your last couple of fights, but knowing this platform will allow you to progress to the, the level you want to get at just must be so motivating for you. Oh, it's huge. Oh, this card is massive. You know, it's a 20,000-seat arena. Like we are saying, it's selling fast. So I believe it's in, they're going to they're opening more seats, so it's going to be huge. Or it's going to be a sold-out event. And... um Man, it's just, I'm just blessed to be able to perform and showcase my skills and fight on this level. I know if I get the job done or when I get the job done, I'll be I'll be headlining big shows like this against big names. And it just motivates me so much. It's exciting. This is what it's all about. This is what you dream of as a young kid. And now it's starting to come to reality. Is, um, it's unbelievable. But I'm here, but I always want more and more. So that's that's just the way I am. And yeah, I'm just going to keep going forward and keep keep progressing in my career. Do you feel the the extra pressure to to really make a statement like you did in your last fight? Because the pressure was on you then, and you did deliver very very uh, quickly in the fight. Well, you see, you, um, you see, like power performs under pressure. It's always been the way. The harder the task, the more I perform. It's um, I lift to the occasion all the time. Um, I, I love it. You know what I mean? It's this is what it's all about. I think that's what makes a champion. You got to be able to perform under pressure, and I I tend to do that pretty well. So I don't really let. That it gets to me, you know. I just love the, I just love it all. The whole occasion, you thrive on it hard. It, I, I do, I do really thrive on it, and it's, it's, it was motivate you. This is, like I said, this is what it's all about. This is what you dream of. Is these massive stack cards? Look, I'm, I'm just gonna go in there and box smart and do what I do. I believe I'm better. Like I said before, I'm better than him in every aspect. You're gonna go in there, suss him out, and take control pretty early, and yeah, and and have a good victory. I believe. And the fight after yours, the main event or the belt you should have been fighting for a couple of months ago, you'll have no doubt an eye on that. You'll want to be getting showered quickly and, and ringside to, to take that in firsthand. How do you see that main event going? Well, I definitely have all eyes on that one. I get the job done on against Montana Love, and I want the winner out of that fight. There's unfinished business there. I, I did have my uh, my shot. You know, it was the way it is. But um, I think Haney, Haney going off progress's last fight, I think Haney does beat Regis. I think the only way to give Haney a bit of trouble was uh, how he seemed to have Loma was fast feet and Regis last fight he looked very stuck in the mud I, I think but saying that he's going to be going to be fitness and and ready this is a massive fight as big as it gets so I think Haney's going to um, edge his foot out though Haney Poro sounds good doesn't it next year oh, I rolls right off the tongue I can't wait you know I'm not looking past Montana Loma I know he's going to come ready to do the fight so I've got to um get back in the winning ways and, and take off right from where we left off last time. So um, that's all my mindset's on him and all my focus is on him. But yeah, you know, I'll get this done and, and the fights I want, I want the big names. And finally, before we let you go, I'm sure you're uh, expecting this question. Rumours have been going around on Twitter. 
rumors been going around on on the forums, on the WhatsApp groups, sparring tales with yourself and Shekhar Stevenson. I, I don't expect you to lay down anything, but what can you tell us, if at all, what happened? Look, um, it's sparring at the end of the day, you know what I mean? We get good rounds in. I mark my words, I belong at this level, and I mix it with the top level. I can say that much confidently, but um, yeah, no, it's good work, and I appreciate the work with him. There's a good camp to work with, but um, yeah, I belong at that level, for sure. Liam Parra, thank you so much for your time, mate. Um, I'll be out there making the trip, so I look forward to catching up with you in person for a huge fight week. Hope the rest of the training camp goes well, mate, and uh, speak to you soon. Uh, thank you, brother. Well, it was a pleasure to catch up. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, joining us now on, on this segment of the show, before we get to the quiz, just let, let's have a little catch up with the main man, Mr. Josh Warrington. Josh, good to have you on. I saw on your Instagram yeah. yesterday, uh, you put a little post up. Was that your first yeah. session back in the gym? And if so, how did it go? <laughs> yes, it was my first session. Um, it was the first time I've done any punching. Done a bit of training at home. I've got pull-up bar and stuff like that. So pull-ups and press-ups and just bodyweight exercises. Um, I'd been for a, a few runs. But yeah, the first time with the gloves on. And uh, yeah, we're in an nice to be fair. I'm a little bit heavier at a minute, so I felt like I'm fucking proper banging. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a dangerous man, almost 11 and a half stones. So it, it was nice to get in there, to be fair. I felt, I felt good. I felt really good. So you're saying this rematch with Lee, if it does happen, is going to be a super welter, welterweight? Is that what you're saying? Right, fucking, it could be super bundle, to be fair. <laughs> We're going into e- each in season, aren't we? So uh, once Max and Spencer start rolling out them uh, advertisements, then that's when uh, <laughs> trouser size gets a little bit bigger. You're in trouble, mate. In terms of, uh, uh, that's physically, Josh, but in terms of mentally, you've had a few weeks mm. to sort of yeah. All over it, and I know it, it hurt a lot that that defeat. How how are you feeling within yourself now when you do look back? Yeah, it was um, a little bit different, like mentally compared to to the other the other two. Obviously, the first live one were weird scenario. Um, the Lopez one, I had my reasons. I, I was still embarrassed because um, of how I started the fight, and I you know I thought I'd not fight, but you can't really fucking argue because you started so slow. This one was. Very, very different. Obviously, still hurts massively. But the way that you assess it, like, after the fight, I come home straight away. Um, you know, they, they were hang about. Sunday in my house, in the Warrington household, they were like a fucking morgue. Um, you know, some of the messages and phone calls were coming through um, of various different people. I didn't really want to speak. Um, to be honest with you, I just wanted your man to phone me. I'm like, fucking, please phone me, please phone me. Well, I come phone myself. And anyway, it turns up and... We just eating pizza, but it was fucking. He, he brought atmosphere up a little bit, but then the more the phone calls and stuff what came from from boxing journalists and and other boxers as well. Just it was crazy. We non-stop all day, and that made me walk my head. I'll die, and 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 you know, five weeks, almost five weeks later, I'm still bumping into people. Fucking hell, mate! You had him. You had him. You can't stop yet. You can't retire yet. And all I've heard like since she's. It, like especially the week after was fucking hell you were back to your best it was like you were against fucking Selby and Frampton like and I'm saying don't just don't forget that I absolutely banjoed Kiko Martinez last year as well in a fucking easy performance yeah I know but this you're just fucking boxing his ears off it it was easy for you and I'm like yeah I know I know I did tell you that going into Lopez fight mentally I won't fucking right and I'm honest with you I was enjoying myself I was um you know, I almost had fucking a smile on my face, and a few days later, there was not a mark on my face. But it, it was, it was uh, the the difficult part was was nighttime. Um, so throughout the day, you just go about your business and whatever, laying in bed, saying the nights of misses, closing your eyes, and all of a sudden you fucking theme celebrating. You know, you see you um, you see stuff where you you've massing during the day on social media. You know, you replay it back over your head. It was at a stage where. I'm having to pick up my phone and fucking just scroll and scroll and scroll and just look at different shit and read fucking all kinds of different garbage just to fall asleep. And after about a week later, I thought, I fucking have slept a week here. I can't carry on like this. I've just got to go through it. So it's like I had to mourn. I had to mourn my loss, you know, and I had to fucking just close my eyes and fucking just go through 
all the coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, why did you do this? Why did the referee take the point off? You know, you didn't do fuck all wrong and, you know, eventually just tired himself out when, um, and then, yeah, I was all right after about a week or so. Well, we had, we had Lee on the podcast last week when we were in sunny Monte Carlo. He's just bought a flat that overlooks the city ground. And obviously we were talking about that fight and who could be there, whether it would be a Conlon rematch or Navarrete. And obviously your name keeps coming up based on how you feel, yep. Are you going to do everything you can in, in your power to, to get the rematch? And, and are you happy to go to city ground for it? Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, and it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, I, I can understand um, the, the desire to become um, a two-way world champion. Um, if an opportunity arises there, but you know the way that the fight finished, you know it, it's going to be thanking his lucky stars. Listen, timed a brilliant shot, and then obviously got the finish. But should have been allowed to go on. So I feel like there was a bit of injustice there, and uh, I feel that you know it's the biggest fight for him, really. You know, obviously the city grounds, perfumes, tickets need to be sold. Well, we've got history already, so it makes sense, you know. Like I said, five, five weeks later and uh, people are, st are still talking about it. Well, is it going to happen? We'll be there. We'll be supporting you. And um, I think you'll get the the general bo boxing population as well. So, um, yeah. The man gave me his word. I know it was initi like, initially straight after the fight, but we came to the medical room and we there was just me him and a couple of doctors. And he did say that like, we'd love to do it again. So, if he's a man of his word, then, yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see, will we? On a one, Josh, before we go to the, the quiz, which I know you can't wait to take yes. off. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> so excited, so excited. What have you made of um, how he's been on, on social media? Because it appeared that it was very amicable. Then there was a few interviews and back and forth comments. And I know there was a video that went out yesterday. Well, you know, that posted a clip of you saying, that, I don't think you'd think, say he was the biggest puncher in the world, followed by the knockout. What have you made of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say I, I'd, 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 I'd say not to be honest with you. Um, I, I was I don't go on his social media. And if I will tell you this, that first round you get an idea of people's power, right? So you you go to the middle of the ring, you know you, you feel it. They might be clean, they might be on fucking arms, all they might be gloves, whatever. But you get an idea. Now there's two types of punches. There's those pudding punches with like every arm. And there's those are where fucking they've got speed and sting you. Fucking, I didn't see really see that coming. Lee's like the foreman. He's, he's, he's a bit of a fudder, but he's not the heaviest fudder. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's heavy-handed, but he's not the heaviest. Like, Lara had a bit of a, a snap to him because he really winds him in. But Eco, for instance, is a fudder. Like, just heavy fisting. You know, probably the heaviest. I've been over with his Kiko. Okay, I haven't seen that video, but you, you can go back. And watch the fucking way they stumbled me. I turned into the punch. And when he got put over by um by Lara, he turned into Lara's punch and went down straight away. I didn't go down. I got buzzed. But last ten seconds, I go to diving with right hook, and what I want to do there is go right hook, left hook to head. Well, as I fucking turn my right hook, all the kidding's gonna come off my dad when I get fucking back into training properly. I turn into the right hook to body. And I drop my stand. What I should do is keep it high, keep it high. But I drop it, and I fucking throw half my momentum into punch. It's fucking my body going into it. And then after that, listen, if you're at world level and you hit someone five times and they don't go over, then someone wrong with you. You're not fucking a big puncher, are you? Obviously, yeah, I'm a clean target and I'm half buzzed. Is even with five clean ones, then that yeah, naturally I go over. But I'm up at fucking four to five straight away, so. Maybe if that makes him feel bad, because you know, convincing. Yeah, I'm not arguing. He, 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 you know, he's not. I'm not saying he's not strong. He's strong, but he's not the strongest. That one was just a one punch a year, and I fucking gone over. Is it? So it was like say, one to buzz me and five clean ones after. So stop being a little bitchly. I feel like I'm going to get the blame for staring the pot. Yeah, I'm going to slide into his DMs out and say, yeah. I like you both. I like you. I'm on the fence. Um. Just last one, Josh. I, and I said that a minute ago, but I'm enjoying yeah. the conversation. Obviously, there's other big fights there for you as well. You know, we had Joe Cortina in action last weekend and, you know, he, he was honest that that wasn't his best night and he thinks maybe, you know, there might be 
a bigger queue of fighters who, who would be willing to step in with him now. I know you've you've held obviously world titles at featherweight. You'd be interested in, in the opportunity to become a two weight world champion. What other options do you see for yourself if it's not Lee Wood? Potentially walking into the last fight. I, I should have still had them. You know, I, I, I felt I don't. Um, I feel I beat Lopez. I know it would have scored if I, but you know, I'll finish the fight. I feel I felt I beat him. Um, and then obviously I lost the last fight, but fucking knockout. Still that level, you know. Seven world title fights down deep. If I told one more to bring me back, then that'd be fine. But up until finally, what I was ranked uh, number one with the WBC. Um, but then they obviously had the opportunity to step up into some further. And that's something that I've been I've been talking about with with me camp for for a long time. Um, not that I struggle to make feather, but I've been making it fucking most of my career at higher level. It would be nice to have a little bit of luxury to. I'll be leeway and maybe build up a little bit more. I'm 33 in November, so you know, I mean, it, it does sound nice uh, to be becoming a you know two way world champion. So we'll we'll see what opportunities arise. Well, exciting times, no doubt, lay ahead for you, Mr. Josh Warrington. Now though, uh, this Thank is the you. 12 round eliminator challenge quiz. Now you've been a world champion, a two time world champion, boxed in front of sold out arenas in stadiums. But what will it mean to you to, to finish top of the 12-round Eliminator Quiz Challenge leaderboard? Oh, it fucking top me. Uh, it'll top me. Uh, never mind anything else. <laughs> so here is uh, my my trusty hand, my beautiful assistant, producer Scott, who's going to go over the ground rules uh, for this quiz. So let me hand yeah. it. Jamie, and welcome Josh to the 12-round Eliminator Challenge. You might need a bit of luck here, mate. So I'm going to go over the rules for yourself and also for our listeners who might not have heard this segment of the show before. Essentially, it's a bit like a who am I? We're trying to identify just one of your previous opponents. So question number one, you start off with 12 points. If you want to skip to the okay. next question, second question will be then worth 11 points and it goes all the way down. Okay. So essentially, yep. the, yeah, the last question will be the 12th and final question is worth one point. So they start off a bit more difficult and they get a little bit easier as we go along. But we're I'm not allowed to guess as many times. No, just one. So after the first question... You you might know it already, maybe store it, and then the questions will hopefully sort of merge together and you'll get one definitive answer. It's like Chris Tarrant. We only one final answer and that's it, mate. You're bust if you get it wrong. But you do get, it's worth noting, one bonus lifeline. So you can call upon that at any stage and it's a bit of a free hit. It might be good, it might be bad. My middle name is Raguma. Raguma. R-E-G-U-M-A. That's okay. Next question. On the day we boxed, 25 to 1 shot, Many Clouds won the 168 Grand National. Don't know if you're a horse racing man. Next one. On then. Yeah. Okay, number three. So this will be worth 10 points if you get it right. My first fight was on the undercard of Francois Bofar versus Michael Grant in South Africa. So one of your opponents box for their first pro title on the undercard of Bofa versus Grant. Give me a bonus. Oh, he's going in early with a bonus. So yeah, this is where I come in. I have, this is the the bonus lifeline, Josh Warrens. Right, boxed in five different countries as a professional. It's not the greatest lifeline this week, I'm afraid. Better luck next time. That's a shame. That's a shame lifeline. <laughs> but that's one of the better ones. <laughs> uh, one of the lifelines one week. One of the lifelines one week is when I fought this man uh, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom premiered in cinemas worldwide or something. Next one. I've got yeah, next one. As an amateur, I juggled my boxing career alongside high school studies and worked two jobs to financially support my parents. This was mentioned in the build-up to our fight. Ooh. Was a Ooh. Press angle. Uh, that sort of push that narrative a little bit at the time. This is a pretty tricky. I think I, I, think I know. Yeah. I, I'm just... I think I know. If you got it right now... Come on. If you got it right now, you would be top of the league on nine points. But if you get it wrong, get it wrong Neil Poir, you join Zelfa Barrett and Jack Catchy yeah. at the bottom, and you wouldn't be in line for a charity payout. So the top three get a, a charity payout. So, All right. Well, then what happens if you have them on the draw? All right, okay. Top three, right, okay. Ah, fucking hell. Um, well, I'll have one more question, I'm going to guess. 
I won and defended the WBC International Bantamweight title in my career, which turned out to be my highest accolade. Oh, is that Hungry Gats? Oh, okay. Oh, Dennis Tiberon. Yeah, oh, man, Princeton, it's not him. Right. Is that what you were going to say? Okay, no, I heard that. I heard that two fucking things ago. I heard that two uh, things ago. You know what? You know what? Give me the, um, the name. The, uh... the Grand National. How did you get the Grand National clue? Well, that time. So it's like, time of year. Usually not. So you start cutting them down, and then yeah. the only people I've really boxed in like around May and April is um, Randall Munro, um, Mike Lindsay, um, Keith Gallagher with June, I think. Yeah, June. Kiko was June. So like, yeah, the Amagasas and that fucking. Abigas is not making a debut in South Africa. <laughs> Josh, I just want to give you the, the, la the, la the last clue. So if you'd gone right down to the bottom one, the show title of our fight was called We Are Leeds. Is that not the name of every single fight you've had? <laughs> <laughs> I have a man, I shall together, We Are Leeds. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's man. Brilliant. Uh, Josh Warrington, you are joint top on the, on the uh, Eliminator chat. I could have fucking took that as well. Could have, would have, should have there. Well, the, the four pal well. tied the real winner is uh, a triple threat on the cobbles <laughs> between you, Bradley Skeet. Right, well, let's go. Well, let's go. Did you win that one? Yeah, but fucking to right. Fox, <laughs> head point. Point, punching the back of head, biting. <laughs> you get away with that on the street, mate, to be fair. What was that Josh, thanks for coming on, mate. We look forward to news. Enjoy. I'm enjoy ticking over in the gym, and we'll see you soon, my friend. Cheers, mate. All right, cheers, guys. Thank you. Well, Scott, this week we've swapped the Monte Carlo Bay in Monaco, the beautiful sea view from the balcony, for a basement room in Newcastle. Uh, I think for our job, although we love it wherever we go and we're very lucky to do what we do, the term mountains and valleys is somewhat relevant sometimes. Yeah, this is a <laughs> bit of a come down. I'm not going to lie. Like you say, we are in a basement, a little bit of a dated hotel room. We won't give the chain name away, but yeah, it's not um, it's not the same setting as last week, that's for sure. But Newcastle is blind. It's a top place, yes, good Love place. Newcastle. We're obviously going to go out for a little bite to eat tonight. It's always yeah. uh, buzzing on the town, and uh, yeah, Newcastle's a, a fighting city as well, isn't it? Good card this week. Hundred percent. It's good to be back, and I, I think these next gen shows are so important in in giving these young fighters the, the platform and the feeling of being the real deal and you know I think for Shabazz Masu you know exciting young fighter it's good to see him obviously his fight with Jose San Martin on the, the Catchall Linares card was pulled at the, at the last of moments after the weigh-in when he fell unwell so he's got a bit between his teeth to impress but you can tell he's just buzzing he's buzzing to be the main event you know earlier in his career on the zone than he, he probably would have imagined to be but this is what it's all about giving him that taste of the big time it's quite surprised early today and I could be wrong so correct me if I am this will be to the day his first fight in a year I think on Saturday yes, it is yeah on, the yeah, day, on yeah. Saturday which is incredible really that is mental yeah um, so you know everything works out for, for a reason I think if you asked him a year ago would you be headlining a show in a year's time? He probably would have laughed in your face a little bit. To be fair, he wouldn't have. Uh, he wouldn't have imagined that on this platform. Yeah, well, I think definitely on this platform because yeah. I think his fight He's, with Bateson was correct, yeah. might have been main event, might yeah. on a, on a smaller show. Um, so you know, and that was that was a good win for him. But I'm excited to see him in action. I think we're just we're, we're fortunate, and all the fighters are fortunate that the show is still here. Obviously, Pat McCormack was due to headline. That was after Cyrus Pattinson was due to headline against Lewis Ritson on this date. Pat McCormack was meant to be chief support. Both of those fights don't materialise for one reason or another. So I think we're fortunate that we do still have a show this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I was speaking to uh, one of the local scribes, Roy Kelly up here, who's known on the circuit, and he says, you know, it's so important to keep the show on, not only for the fighters who obviously need to get out before Christmas in particular, but it's more so like keeping the, the public up here interested because I was kind of starved a little bit after the Ritson era. And I kind of think now we're slowly starting to see the crowds come back. But the first you know show or two up here, it wasn't particularly great. So I think they, they need the energy. They need the activity to just remain interested, to be honest. Yeah, I think if it had gone into next year, you know, and we were looking then at March, it would have been a year on from Cyrus versus Chris Jenkins, which was in March time, wasn't it? Um, so, no, I totally agree. I think they need they need the momentum up here. And it, there's such a breath of talent coming through that, that no, date, one, one, no doubt once Pat McCormack is back to, to full fitness and Cyrus Pattinson's looking 
on, on his quest for revenge as well, that we're going to have some big shows up here to look forward to. But the action does begin, of course, here and remain in the northeast. Saturday night live on the zone, eight fights to look forward to this weekend on our next gen series. Well, let's just have a quick word on Monte Carlo because the whole experience this time round, I think when I first my first show in Monte Carlo, I just started, so it was all a little bit surreal. This time, I've, I've got a little bit more used to, to the way that everything works. Uh, it was still equally as bizarre. I actually found Fight Night even more bizarre this time. Why? I just I felt like I was an extra in a boxing film. <laughs> I can't describe it like it. Um, and I actually asked Joe the question in the ring after the fight. Um, you know, did you find it after you've been walking out in an absolute cauldron for Rakimov and Agawa in Cardiff to walk out in here? Which, you know, it's a beautiful setting. But it's got the atmosphere of, you know, a village fate. You it's know, it's complete opposite, isn't it? You couldn't get more polarised. And it's weird. The, the noise echoes around the room. Yeah. It's big, tall ceilings. There's only, what, 400 people in there? Not even that, many. And it's not really like a, you know, a partisan crowd. No. It was. It's very strange. I think when Joe was on the, the ramp coming out, well, it wasn't even a ramp, was it? Just on the, the strip of carpet coming out. He must have been like, what the... This yeah. is so different. Well, at least he's done it before, so he would have had that in the back of his mind. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be too unknown to him. True. I think there's a great shot in our behind-the-scenes edit that's on our YouTube channel from, I think it might be the Nonshinga Ring Walk. He's walking out, and at the same time, the camera, uh, one of our camera guys, Reg, has got a fantastic shot of the backstage, you see Lucero getting, getting stitched, stitched yeah, at incredible. the same time that Nonchinga is ring-walking. And it just shows the intimacy of the venue that you've literally got between a wall, what, five yard, five, yeah, five feet between them. Guy who's just lost, getting stitched up, probably thinking, where do I go from here? Nonchinga thinking, I need to win this fight in this amazing setting to propel my career. Little did he know. But it just kind of, that one shot for me summed up the intimacy of the venue quite uniquely, and it was a, it was a great shot. For I totally me. agree, and I think it also sums up boxing in, in a way as well you know the show must go on you know yep. some fighters have great nights some fighters win some fighters lose it is it, it, every boxing event you know is synonymous with that the triumph and, and the defeat and it's brutal in, in a lot of ways and it's brilliant and beautiful in other ways and I think that's probably why there's not a sport like it yeah very true Actually, when you were just saying that, I was thinking of um, our old friend Adam Smith, who obviously made a, a comment in midweek. I think it was one of the titles of his books, maybe, Beautiful Brutality. Yeah. And that kind of just showcases that that element, in particular for Monte Carlo events, quite um, quite spot on. Brilliant to, to see that news with, with Adam Smith. Yeah, our friend Adam Smith, that he's going to be what making he does next. A, yeah. yeah, hopefully making a return to boxing. Um, I don't think the sport has, has quite been the same without him. We miss him on, on the commentary desk, don't we? Definitely. Uh, there was a great shot. Um, someone circulated it on a WhatsApp group I had of... I hadn't seen it for a while. It was the desk shot looking at the commentators from Josh, Joshua Ruiz one. And you can literally see Adam trying to... He's basically trying to stand up, but at the same time, he's, you know, I've got to remain mm. professional. You know, the the balance between professionalism and being a fanboy, I think he just nailed to perfection. Yeah, well, I'd say I'd call it professionalism and passion. Passion, yeah. You know, yeah. He, he loves the sport. He just loves the sport. So great to, to see that he's on the mend as well from, from a, a bout of illness. Definitely. It, having his own fight, so to speak, and brilliant to see that he's on the mend and, and we look forward to working with Adam Smith again very soon. In terms of what's coming up, Scott, we've got our Make the Days Count documentary dropping on Sunday. That's in build-up, of course, to the huge rematch on November 25th between Chantel Cameron and Katie Taylor. That's a brilliant watch and a real great insight into what me and Scott have been talking about on the podcast. Every after, week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, after I've spent some time with, with Chantel in camp, you'll notice, I think, if you watch the first documentary and this one, maybe back-to-back if you've got a bit of time and you're a real diehard fan, <laughs> you'll, I think you'll notice the, the difference in mentality and confidence for Chantel Cameron heading into this fight. And I think that's, that's what's going to make it very interesting. I think, you know, Katie knows that her back's against the wall in this one. I think that she has to win. And I think we'll see the best of both in this rematch. Yeah, I've heard a few little snippets on the circuit, as you often do from midweeks, and Katie Taylor's flying in training camp. You know, it's always a, a very withdrawn sort of training camp. You know, you're sort of locked up. You don't really get access and or hear too much, but all indications are she's flying. Like you say, the confidence levels of Chantel Cameron, knowing that she's been there and done it probably just take her own game on a notch so I'm truly expecting the first couple of rounds this time to ignite 
bit of a cliche the old you know round 11 starting where you left off but I think it will you know Katie in her own omission started slowly last time and she can't afford to do that this time because that arguably was the swing of the fight so fully expecting round one I mean the end of round one was dramatic in, in its own way in the first fight but the first couple of rounds I think will be very fast and furious if anything there might be a bit of a lull in the mid rounds and then saving it for down the stretch. So, you know, it's going to be fascinating. I just love it when there's questions. Questions to be answered, you know. Was it an off night for Katie Taylor? Is Chantel Cameron just all wrong for Katie Taylor? Is she too big? Is she too strong? Is Katie going to roll back the years like she says she's going to and produce a career best performance? Has Chantel got complacent after the first win? All the questions will be answered on Design November 25th. What a company man I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure this week to be joined by the man with a green and gold strap, still round his waist, WBC World Super Featherweight Champion, Oshaki Foster. Oshaki, first of all, thanks for coming on. Since that incredible victory, I was watching you on the other side of the world from London. One of the craziest moments and one of the craziest fights I've seen in the last few years, that's for sure. How have the days been since and, and how do you look back on, on what was such a special night? Oh, uh, man, I appreciate y'all having me first off and... uh. It's been crazy. Like when I won, like when I won the world title, it was cool. I got a lot of love, but I think this last fight it showed everybody like who I am and and, and that I'm a, I'm a dog. I can dog it out. I can do other things than just box. So man, I've been getting love. It, it's been crazy. It's been definitely positive energy. Have you had to give the body a bit of a rest? Have you been away with a family? What have you been up to since the fight? Yeah, I mean, I've been. I just been. Chilling, yeah, I was chilling like the first three days after the fight. You know, I was I was super sore. I was super sore, but uh, like after the second day, I was good. I was back moving. I've been back to my hometown a couple times. When you look back on the fight now, and and the way you you won the fight was so incredible. During the fight, though, did you always feel that you have you had the power to turn the fight? on its head in the way that you did? What was going through your mind up until up until those final moments? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, already, I always knew I had the power. Um, like I said, in sparring, even leading up to the fight, I was putting people down. But my plan was to to drown him, you know, take him to the deep waters and drown him. Uh, he had never been past seven rounds or six rounds out of 30-something fights. So that was my plan overall was to take him in the deep waters and and and, and try to stop him then. And everyone throughout the whole build up as well with Shaq, he was just talking about the power of Rocky Hernandez. How did you assess the the shots that did land and were the rumors as as true from your experience? I would say this. I spar with heavier guys. Um I rarely spar with guys that are smarter than me or or my size. So I'm used to like, you know, the 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 different strength. So when I gauge his, he hit, he can hit he can hit like like a he he can hit like a forty pounder he can hit like a forty pounder, but the only shot that I felt was the one in the eleventh round when I got reckless and he landed that shot that hurt me. Other than that, I really I just felt the heaviness on his hands for sure. When you've watched it back, do you do you almost feel like it's not you in that ring in those final moments? Like I know sometimes it's crazy when you watch yourself doing something. Like that was really me. That was really me that just did that. Like what emotions go through your body? Like I'm sure you get goosebumps and you want to jump around. You shadow boxing around your living room when you watch that round back. What on earth is going through your mind when you do watch it back? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's crazy because I've been in a doghouse. I went. I went. Did that and spawned. A lot of times like, I went to war like that, just making myself feel uncomfortable. Like I like to try to make myself feel uncomfortable and train it. But watching it, going back and watching it, just seeing how how I hurt him bad and I just had him in trouble. And then boom, he got me. It, it was crazy, man. It was crazy, but it was fun. Like, like it, it definitely gets me excited. It gets me like, oh man, like. I've seen a couple of people like Teddy Atlas and a lot of people comparing it to Terrell Gotti and, and, and certain other wars. So, man, it, it, it definitely excites me, man, for sure. So, first and foremost, Oshaki, did you watch Cordina and Vasquez? Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Who did you have winning? Because um, general consensus in the arena seemed to be that it was close, but on two of the judges' scorecards, it was a bit wider. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not watch it to, to score it, but... From the looks of it, 
it looked like uh, Vasquez, yeah, he made it real close. Uh, it looked like he made it real close. But, you know, sometimes you got to go in and you got to beat the champ up to beat him, you know. So I'm not going to say he got robbed or anything like that. But, you know, it just looked like it was already had tough time for that. I was in the ring, Oshaki, at the end on the on the design broadcast. And Oshaki, uh, sorry, and Edward Vasquez and Joe Cordina were having a bit of a, an argument after the fight. And Edward Vasquez actually mentioned your name. And he said, look, Joe Cordina has no power. Oshaki Foster's going to walk right through this guy. In your opinion, yeah. how does a fight go between you and Joe Cordina? And, and after seeing what you've seen, how confident are you that it's a fight you win? Uh, yeah, I mean, Vasquez, he know, um, he sparred me. He sparred me, not getting ready for this fight, but a little while back we sparred. And uh, so he done been in the ring with both of us. But I can see I can see myself stopping uh, stopping Cardina in the later rounds. Um, not, as, not talking 12 round, but... More, more in the later rounds, cause you know styles make fights, and and just just being, you know, I see certain things that I could take advantage of. Uh, I'm not gonna underestimate his power, or underestimate anything he brings to the table, cause you you never know, you know, you, you know, you never know, and any shot can change your fight, you know. So, uh, I respect I respect what he gonna bring to the table, but I definitely feel like I stop him late. You went to Mexico to fight Rocky Hernandez. Would you come to Wales, to the Lions Den in Cardiff to fight Joe Cordina? Are you willing to go anywhere? Are you that confident? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere. I actually, I would love to come to uh, to the UK next. Uh, it, it, it's not a problem for me. Uh, as you see, I just went into Mexico. I just... Uh, this ain't the first, second, or third time I'll be going to another person's backyard. But I, I ain't gonna lie, I love the, I love the, um, I love it. I ain't gonna lie, it, it pushes me to another level, and I feel like that's a way that for me to steal fans and for me to actually put my name where I want it to be, which with in the pound for pound, and, and you know the greatest fighters of this era. You know, I feel like I have to do those certain things. You know, go across the pond, go across seas, and go to these guys' backyard. Have there been, obviously, you, you've been enjoying the fruits of your victory, and that's totally understandable. You've deserved that. But have there been any early talks about a potential fight with Joe Cordina or Shaki? Do you believe that that more than likely will be your next fight? Nah, it's been it's been a few days since he fought, and it's been a little while, like a, a week, like you said, a week since I fought. No talks. Um, but from what all the the, the boxing scenes and all the articles I've been getting tagged in, he don't want the fight. He steady keeps saying that he don't make no money fighting me or whatever. But my thing is, who's who's making Canelo money in our weight class? You know, all the champions, all of us making the same around the same money, amount of money. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really get where you're coming from. We, I mean, okay, you're making a lot, you'll make more money fighting a guy like Vasquez than you will unify. You know, so I mean, I just, it just don't make sense to me. But these are questions he he gonna have to answer from his fans because they're gonna start looking at him like he's a duck. I'm, a, I'm a free agent. You know, if we can make it happen next, you know what I'm saying? So. It's, it's, it's all on him. Ashaki, final one from me. Now, when you guys fight, I'll be very professional and I'll sit on the fence if you fight Joe Cordina. I, I have good friends with him. I speak I speak to him quite a lot. I'm going to tell him that we, we caught up today. What what do you want me to say to him? Can you Have you got a message for me just to pass on to him? I'll say I, I caught up with Ashaki Foster and he had this to say to you, Joe. What do you want me to tell him? Man, let's, let's stop making excuses. You know, we both got kids. We both got... Lives we try to change, but ain't no one fight in the, in this weight class gonna change no fight no no life you know what I'm saying so let's get it in let's build this let's build this build us up you know unified or, and maybe them 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 millions or whatever he trying to get to whatever he trying to get to it, it'll come after 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 you know after we we you know what I'm saying like you gotta you gotta you gotta put the put the put the product out there you gotta put the stuff out there for us to get to that kind of money and these are the kind of fights that's going to get me to that money or you know eventually get to you to it you know so let's do it man and i'll also tell him that you you think you're going to knock him out as well I'll park that <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure you can tell me that. I, I definitely for sure know 
I was, I could be able to stop him for sure. But I know that's your guy, so I don't want to go. And I kind of, I kind of figured that was your guy because certain things I would look, I would say, like I ain't gonna respond on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should post It's a, it's a privilege to meet you via Zoom, and, and if it is you and Joe Cordina. I look forward to it. And I'll be doing your interviews in fight week. And I promise you, you'll get the same love from me, my friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is that time of the show, Food Fight, where a dream guest comes on to preview their dream dinner party lineup. So happy to say on the show this week is no one. We've got no one pulled out last minute. Mate, the traffic up here has been <laughs> mental all week and just had a text. I won't name and shame the guest, but just had a text to say stuck in traffic, running two and a bit hours late, which means they're not going to get in until very late and we'll just have to put them on ice for this week, unfortunately. Uh, there's been a few travel issues you might have seen on the trains and even driving up. A lot of our staff, a lot of boxers, Shabazz um, Masood was delayed as well. Just, just the way it goes, I'm afraid. It's <laughs> just one of them things. Well, no guest, unfortunately, this week on Food Fight. We'll move swiftly on to the next part of the show. That was your news and weather update from producer Scott Hamilton. December 2013, Paris and an interview with Mike Tyson. And in sports broadcasting, there can't be too many more daunting or intimidating challenges, as I was about to find out firsthand. The interview coincided with the release of his autobiography, The Undisputed Truth. And looking back through my diary for that week, I'd just returned from Stuttgart in Germany, where I was commentating on our mate Darren Barker and the night he lost his world title to Felix Sturm. A few days later, Tuesday 10th of December, is an entry in the diary that says 10.30am, interview with Mike Tyson at the Grosvenor House Hotel in central London. But that's been crossed out, and on the same page is a note about a booking for a Eurostar train to Paris. And that's because Tyson was refused entry into the UK as a result of his rape conviction in the early 1990s and the Home Office rules on entry into the UK for those convicted of various offences had been changed in the recent months and the publishers who'd set up the interview were unaware of that so they rerouted Tyson from Heathrow to Paris and so our interview was rescheduled for the following day 11.30am this time at the Raffles Hotel in the centre of the city and I turned up at the hotel with a camera operator Rashid Speed who's a good pal of mine still works the boxing beat and we've got this bond that was created by that whole mind-blowing experience on that day we were called up to Tyson's suite in the hotel and we expected to walk into a huge entourage but it was actually just Tyson and one friend in the room and Tyson reached out shook our hands and then pointed up to a TV screen on the wall showing a rugby union match on Eurosport. And he said, man, these guys are crazy. He said, they've got no protection on and look what they're doing to each other. And I remember thinking, wow, this is coming from a man who bit chunks out of Evander Holyfield's ears. So anyway, we get to the interview and we'd been allocated a full hour with Tyson and I'd agonised over two questions. How do I broach the rape conviction? And how do I start the interview? And I decided to open up with a question about life with his children, which was covered in the book and seemed to bring him a great deal of contentment. So I put that to him and he replied sternly, what do you mean by contentment? So straight away, first question, first answer, I'm feeling under pressure. But eventually I get him back on side by talking about his own brutal childhood and then to the rape conviction. And I'd wondered where to place this all-important question. Do I go at the top of the interview and risk him exploding and maybe walking away so we lose potentially an hour of gold dust? Do I lead the subject to the end and then he might accuse me of bottling it? So I go for it about half an hour in at a time when he's really flowing. And I remind him that women's rights campaigners have protested about his visits to Britain in the past and how he's been refused entry this time. So what do they want from me, he said. And for the first time, I can see his eyes narrowing in the way that many opponents must have done close up down the years. And then he goes again. 
You tell me, seeing as you're asking the questions, you tell me, what do they want from me? So now I'm struggling and I ask him whether he's looking for acceptance on the basis that, according to the old adage, he's done the crime and served the time. And this is when he shuffles in his seat and leans forward and stares at me and says, don't put words in my mouth. Do you hear me? Don't put words in my mouth. Never have I been so daunted in my career. So I'm coughing and spluttering and thinking how I can move this interview on. And I said something about how the protesters were simply wanting at least an apology. And I'm thinking, where do I go next? So in a random gear change, I ask him about Frank Bruno, who he beat to regain the world heavyweight title after being released from prison. And suddenly a smile breaks out across his face and he starts to talk about how he loves Frank. And so the whole mood of the interview changed in an instant. And then later I bring up another difficult episode. And this is when his voice dips noticeably as he starts talking about 2009 and the time when his four-year-old daughter Exodus was killed in an accident involving a treadmill machine. And he told me how he went rampaging through the ER room at the hospital, brushing people aside and demanding news of his baby. And then he said, and these are his words verbatim, I realised when I got to the hospital, everyone on the whole floor had lost their baby or was about to lose their baby. And then he came up with just about the most poetic line I've ever heard in an interview. I realised then, he said to me, I didn't have exclusivity to pain. Just an incredible response, an incredible contrast in attitude and emotions right throughout the interview. At one stage, I genuinely thought I was about to be attacked. At another, he almost brings tears to my eyes. And I wrote a piece accompanying the interview and describing Tyson as a repulsive and compulsive character and adding that his story might just be the most fascinating study of the human condition across the past 30 years of sport. And a decade on, I stand by that. Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. We are actually nearing the end of Season 3, and it's going to be time for a rejig as we head to Season 4 and, indeed, 2024. I'm in Tenerife, actually, next week, doing some content with IBF World Flyweight Champion Sonny Edwards. And Scott is on the ground in Los Angeles as Diego Pacheco prepares for his homecoming fight with Coceres. So we're going to try and squeeze the pod in, aren't we? But time zone-wise, might be difficult. It might be, yeah, logistical nightmare. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll try our best. If not, we'll be back the week after. Absolutely. But thanks, as always, to our guests as well this week. Liam Paro, Mike Costello, Josh Warrington and WBC Super Featherweight World Champion Oshaki Foster. Don't forget all the action live this Saturday night on the zone, 5.15pm before the bell, before the main broadcast begins. At 7pm, your main event, Shabazz Masood versus Jose San Martin, WBA Super Bantamweight Intercontinental title. On the line in that one, one place to watch it, that's the zone. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh.